Welcome to Sports Talk with RNJ. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And uh, unfortunately, we have to start the show talking about another uh, school shooting. Really, really sad in uh, in Uvalde, Texas, Robb Elementary School. Yesterday, 21 people were killed, 19 students, uh, two teachers. Just really, really sad. Just could not be more sad that this has happened. And, and you heard Steve Kerr's comments, and those should have, those should have resonated with everybody yesterday. When is this gonna? When is this gonna stop? When is this gonna stop? And it just was so sad. We had we had a to hear to hear that news yesterday. Yeah, absolutely was. You know, um, it's just it doesn't. You know, you don't really hear about school shootings in any other country. It doesn't happen. You know, not I've never seen it in any other country besides U.S. And you know, it, it shouldn't really happen. I know for us, you know, it kind of happened kind of right near us in Newtown. You know, Sandy Hook, you know, I was in sixth grade, remember, you know, hearing about that. It's 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 crazy and it's uh very unfortunate. It's just, you know, the whole problem it, it really should never should not be happening. We really do need to stop and you know, we really do need to come together as a country and, and figure out how we need to stop these school shootings. It's again, no kids should be going to and no parent, no kid should be going to school having to worry if their kids gonna come home safe or not. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason for that. There's absolutely no reason for that. And obviously, you know, us being Connecticut residents, I mean, we we obviously remember Sandy Hook and how sad that was. And and uh, this was the worst school shooting since Sandy Hook. So just a really, really sad day yesterday. And Steve Kerr's comments, Steve Hurt Kerr, he's hit the nail on the head. We can't become numb to this. We can't just accept this. Something has got to be done about this. And Steve Kerr was 100% right yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, it, it kind of seems like it, it happens, unfortunately, like, you know, we hear it like once, twice a year about it. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's like, you know, we need to really kind of put this in the forefront and figure out how to stop this and how to kind of control it. Because, yeah, it, it's it's unacceptable. And, and yeah, we, we can't become numb to it because, you know, yeah, it's elementary school kids that really, you know, they're so young that haven't really got to experience, like, you know, for for any, you know, from elementary to high school, where it happens, you know, again, it's their, their life gets taken way too short and it, it, it's, it's sad to hear again. So yeah, you know, absolutely. We can't become known to, you know, he, he did a great job in that speech. We have to figure out a way to stop this. Yeah. 21 lives were taken way too soon yesterday, way too soon, but we'll get to the basketball and we'll get to, uh, we'll get to, we'll get to the game last night with the Mavs and the uh, Warriors. And, uh, and it was a game where I, I, I thought if the, I thought the Mavs were going to take one of the games in the series, I thought, I thought they were going to take one of the two home games and they did last night. Luca was phenomenal. He had, he went for 30, 14 and nine. Reggie Bullock had a big night. Dorian Finney Smith had a big night. Both those two guys had big nights. Uh, so, so, uh, and that was and that was huge for the Mavs. Those two guys had big nights, and they were able to beat the Warriors. The big question, though, is is can the Mavs uh, make the greatest comeback in NBA history? Can they do it? Can can they make this comeback? And I just don't think they can. I had the Warriors in five. I felt like the Mavs would win one of the one of the games in the, in this series. So I, I don't think the Warriors can make this you know historic comeback. Uh, but it, but if, if no, I mean the Mavs make this historic comeback. But if the Mavs are going to they're going to need more than Luca. They're going to need more than Luca to do it. And uh, and I just I I really don't see them. You know, get, get I don't see the guys stepping up like they did last night around Luca. They're just too inconsistent. That's why I got the Warriors in five. Justin, is there any way the Mavs can make a dramatic comeback? No, I, I don't, I'm with you. I think this thing ends in five. I think last night with Dallas, it's a desperation game. You don't want to get swept on your home floor. 
you know, Golden State kind of you're up 3 0. You know, now you kind of get home, go home. It's not really like, you know, Dallas kind of got up big there and kind of was in control for a while. Kind of Golden State kind of figures, okay, we can get this thing done in, in five games at home next week or, you know, on uh, on uh, Thursday night. So, yeah, I, I think Dallas, because I think you're exactly right. There's just not enough consistency on this Mavericks team. You know, Reggie Bulk was horrible in game three. He played well last night in game four. He hit six series. But I don't, again, you can't really trust him. Jalen Brunson's really the only other guy. You can trust most on most nights for this Dallas team. That's not going to be enough to beat this Golden State team. There's just way too much firepower. Yeah, there's there's just too many guys you just you just can't trust on this team. That's that's the problem. There's too many guys around Luca you can't trust. I mean, Luca is one of the top players in the game, but there's just too many there's just too many guys the Mavs have you can't trust. That's why I mean the Ma- Luca's had an outstanding year. He's a top three player, but I got the Mavs losing in five. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I got I got Dallas losing five as well. Yeah, Luca's a phenomenal player. He's been great in elimination games, but he cannot do it all. He cannot win three straight games by himself. It's just it's not gonna be. It's he's not gonna be able to do it. He's gonna need help, and he's just not gonna be able to get that help. No, 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 not at all. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But we got to get to the pivotal game tonight, and there it is a pivotal game five in that Celtics Heat series between these two teams, and uh, and and it's pivotal. Uh, it's, it's tied at two between the two teams. Obviously, the Heat won on Saturday. The Celtics won on Monday. I mean, a pathetic performance by the Heat on Monday, but series is tied two two. The big question is right now: who has the edge in this series? And I think personally, I think the Celtics have the edge. I think the Celtics have the edge because. You can trust that Jason Tatum's going to have a is going to outside of Game Three. I think Jason Tatum got that bad game out of the way. He had that bad game in, uh, in, in he had that really bad game in. Uh, I'm trying to think in, in in Game Three of the Milwaukee series. That, but I so I think he's gotten that bad game out of the way. I trust him more than I trust Jimmy Butler, and uh, I trust Jalen Brown more than I trust Bam Adebayo or anybody else on the Heat to step up. That's why right now I think the Celtics have the edge in the series with a tied two two, even though they're playing in Miami tonight. Justin, who do you think has the edge? Yeah, I think the Celtics will do too. You know, I, the, the only time we've seen the Heat kind of be better than the, the Celtics this series is, is when the Celtics just don't show up. You know, they didn't really show up in game three. They didn't show up in the third quarter in game one. And, you know, Boston's been the better team, at, you know, most of the time. You know, as long as they don't play abysmal basketball, I think the Celtics are the better team. Yeah, you know, Tatum, I, I think, yeah, plays better tonight. Again, Jimmy Butler, you know, Tyler, does Tyler Hero play tonight? You know, I yeah, I think it's, you know, whatever team can stay healthy too. And I, I think that's going to be the Celtics for the long run here. And, yeah, I think Celtics right now still have the edge in the series. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Now, the big question is, what do the Celtics have to do to win the game tonight? I think Tatum and Brown got to continue to be outstanding. And they got to uh, contain Butler and they got to contain Bam. If they do those things, I, there, there's no doubt in my mind. Not, 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 not do I think the Celtics are going to win. There's no doubt in my mind that the Celtics will go up three two over the Heat. But Justin, who do you think? What, what do you think the Celtics have to do tonight to get the win? Yeah, you know, I think you're right about Tatum Brown. I think they both have big nights. Mine is, I think for the Celtics is with um, Robert Williams on the defensive side of the ball with against Bam. You know when Bam when Robert Williams has been out in this series, you know Bam Adebayo has been averaging 31 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. When he's when Robert Williams been on Bam, he's only averaging 8.6 rebounds. And then, you know, with the Celtic size, too, so kind of with Rod Williams being in there with the Celtic side, I think they can control the glass, you know, slow down Bam, because if Bam can get going and that could be a number two for Jimmy Butler, 
they're going to be, very, you know, the, the Heat are, are going to be a very tough out. And if you can really kind of slow down Bam, make it, you know, Bam is a great defense player, but if you can kind of hold them on the offensive side of the ball, you got a better chance. And I, I think Robert Williams on him defensively is going to do a good job on tonight. And I think the Celtic size is a big factor tonight. Yeah, if Smart and Williams play, and the Celtics are in really, 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 really good shape because obviously Smart being the leader of that team and then Robert Williams giving them size. So Smart and Williams play, the Celtics are in really good shape. Is Hero playing tonight for the Heat? I have not seen anything yet. I haven't seen anything yet because that was a big loss. That was definitely a big – that's why I thought the Celtics would win by double digits on uh, on Monday night because Hero was a big, big loss for the Heat. That was a really, really big loss. So that, that's why I thought the Celtics would win by double digits. But, yeah, as we say for the Celtics, contain Bam and Butler – and then Tatum, and then if Tatum and Brown play well, there's no doubt in my mind the Celtics will win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tatum Brown. I think they, yeah, they, I think they play well tonight. And yeah, Rob Williams, Mark Smart, they're both in there. That defensive presence, I think they should um, be good. And yeah, Tyler Hero still says game time decision. I'm kind of going through some of the Heat beat writers, and nothing's been announced yet on Tyler Hero's status for tonight. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. So, so, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there uh, with the with, with the Celtics now. What do the Heat have to do to win the game tonight? And, and they just got to be much better than they were on Monday night. Their starting lineup had a combined 18 points. That's absolutely terrible. Bam, I think uh, Bam and Butler had a combined 15 points. You're not winning any playoff game with that kind of production. They obviously have to be better. And then, uh, then obviously they got to contain the, the two guys from Boston. But I don't. But the thing is, is it's easier to contain Jimmy Butler than it is to contain Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum is better than Jimmy Butler. That's why it's imperative for the Heat to score. They need to score to win this game. they got to score like they did in game one where they had 118 points. Even score the way they did in game two where they had 109. they got to score in this game. 82 points is not getting it done. It's not getting it done at all. Seven, I think it's 73 points in game in game two. Some of their – in their losses, they, their offense has been absolutely terrible. They need to score points to win. And uh, Butler has to have a big game. you got to have Butler and Bam play well together because that has not happened much in this postseason. It's not happening in this series. They gotta play well together for them for for, the, for them to win the game. And Lowry's got to chip in. If you're playing, he's got to chip in off the bench. The Heat have to score. That is the biggest. That's my. That is that is the biggest key of the game because they cannot rely on Jason Tatum scoring ten points like he did in Game Three and then winning. They have to. Butler and Bam have to score. I think both of them got to score over twenty points for the Heat to win this game. Justin, what do you think the Heat have to do to win this game? I think you bring up a great point about the Heat having to score. Um, you know, yeah, because I and I actually, well, this is kind of you know with the three point game nowadays, and you know you got to be able to have three point shots to win the game, and you know you got to be able to score in that category. So yeah, I think scoring is huge. You know, Miami's they, you got to score more than eighty two. Yeah, for me, it's Jimmy Butler. You know, he scored seventy points. I know he's kind of banged up right now, but in the first two games he scored seventy points, and the last two games, you know, Boston he scored a total of fourteen. He's got. They got to get. He's got to get going tonight. Um, they they need a big performance out of him tonight, if they have any chance. Because again, he was not. You know, because even kind of those core guys, yeah, set up around game three when he did not score. So yeah, so it's kind of back to your point of yeah, you know, Jimmy Butler's. You know, if Jimmy Butler can get going, I think it opens up everything else for you know Tyler Heroes of the world if he plays. You know, the Bam out of vibes could maybe open it up for him. You know, it, it for all those you know, and Al Depot that played really well. You know, played well on Monday night. He was like the only one that could really get going scoring wise the other night. So, I think you know for those, those other guards for the Heat, if Jimmy Butler can score, it opens up the three point shot for the rest of those guys, 
and they have some capable three-point shooters. So if Butler can get going, I think it opens it up for the Miami offense tonight, and, you know, they can make, you know um, try to get a 3-2 lead against the Celtics. Absolutely. Key, uh, biggest keys, Butler and Bam got to score, and they got to hit their threes. It is imperative that that has to happen because I'm telling you, like I said, they cannot rely on Jason Tatum to have the game he had in game three anymore, anymore. They have to score in this series, especially especially two, two of the next three games because obviously the Heat got to win two out of three, and they got to expect the fact that Jason Tatum is going to play really well. He's not going to play like he did in game three. They got to expect that he's going to play really well, so that's why the Heat have to score. Now, we'll go to our game prediction, and we'll do our game prediction and our series prediction. Tonight, first, we'll first do our game prediction. I got the, like I said, the Celtics got the edge. I got the Celtics winning tonight because I trust, like I said earlier, I trust Tatum over Butler, and I trust the fact that that Jalen Brown as a second scorer will show up more than anybody on the Heat. That's why I got the Celtics winning game five and taking a 3-2 lead going to Boston Friday night. Justin, who do you got? Yeah, I got Boston, too. Going in tonight, yeah, you know, as long as the, the Celtics stay away from that one back quarter, I think they, I think they're a better team than the Heat, and I, yeah, I think Brown and Tatum have a big night. I think Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, they play, they make a big difference there on the defensive end of the floor. Oh, Horford even put in some good minutes again. How much more can you count on him? You know, as a total with his age, because he's played really well at times. Uh, yeah, I expect some of the guys on the Celtics to kind of step up. You know, help around Tatum and Brown and. The Celtics are able to knock them off and go home with a three-two lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. I think the Celtics uh, go to Boston with a three-two lead. Now, who wins the series? I think it's pretty obvious. I, I said the Celtics in six before the series started, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going with the Celtics in six. I think they win tonight and they close it out Friday night, and they play the Warriors in the NBA Finals starting Thursday night. Justin, who do you think wins the series? I get Celtics as well in Game Six. I think yeah, I think they go home. I don't think they go down. You know, I don't. I don't think they. Um, I don't think they let that series go past Game Six. If they if they win tonight, I don't think they make they let that series go to Miami. Uh, I see Brown and Tatum finishing the deal off on Friday night, and yeah, probably getting the Warriors start next week. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so it sh- should be interesting to see what happens with this Celtics Heat series, and we'll be back next week previewing the NBA Finals. And we probably pretty much know it's going to be the Warriors. We'll see who makes it out of the East between the Heat and the Celtics. But now we're going to shift our attention over to the NFL, and there's always a story in the NFL. I mean, you got you got uh, now you got the quarterbacks who are quote unquote. And I don't think we're surprised with the quarterbacks not showing up at OTAs. But uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray they are not attending OTAs. The big question here is is how big of a deal is this? Usually, I wouldn't say it's a big deal. But like if Tom Brady doesn't show up for OTAs. I know it's not a big deal because you know he's got the chemistry with his teammates, but I think for both of these guys it's a little bit of a big deal. I think for the uh, for, for for the for the for the Packers because of them losing Devontae Adams and him having to gain chemistry with this with this new group of receivers, and then, yes, because the Packers lost Valdez Scanling and they lost Devontae Adams and and they drafted Christian Watson, they still have Alan Lazard, so he and they and they and they signed Sammy Watkins, so he's got to build chemistry with this new group of receivers, and then you look at the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be suspended for uh, the first six games. They won't. They don't have Christian Kirk anymore. He was signed by the Jaguars, and they just traded for Hollywood Brown. I think it's important to have that chemistry. So I don't think it's a humongous deal, but I do think it's a little. I think I, I think it matters a little bit that neither of these two are OTAs. What are your thoughts on it, Justin? Yeah, a little bit with with Murray. I know the hold out the money and all that. You know, yeah, with the new wide receiver core now, he did play with, you know, Hollywood Brown College. He's got that chemistry. But, yeah, with the other new guys, he doesn't really have much chemistry. So I'm with you. You kind of want to build that. And, you know, 
again, he says he wants to win Super Bowls here. Again, you know, part of that is going OTAs now, building the chemistry. It's the same thing with Rodgers. Like, again, Rodgers wants to know the Super Bowl. It's, it starts now. It starts building that chemistry with the rest of the guys. So, yeah, for guys to kind of, you know, for these two kind of wanting, saying they want to kind of win Super Bowls with their, you know, respected teams right now, you know, it, it's it does start – it starts at OTAs, building that chemistry for both of them. Yeah, you know, Rodgers lost his number one guy in Devontae Adams to Las Vegas, and, and now, you know, he's got a whole bunch of new guys that he's kind of got to, yeah, build that chemistry with, build that repetition with. And, yeah, I know they'll probably be both that, sounds like, at the mini camps, But, yeah, you kind of want to build that chemistry now and, and kind of, you know, kind of find out a little bit more about him now. But, yeah, you know, it, it's a little bit of a big deal for two teams that, could be content, you know, who two teams that are good enough to to make the playoffs and make runs in the playoffs. And yeah, it is a little bit of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, obviously you don't want to make a big deal of somebody not showing up to, you know, organized team activities, but you know, seeing what's happened, it, 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 it is, it is a little bit of a big deal. And, and uh, yeah, yes, it may affect their chem- the chemistry of these offenses to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. It, it totally could, you know, I, you know, you saw, you know, 2020, you know, I know you're talking about Brady. Again, they didn't really have much chemistry to like that, you know, week and, eight, nine. Like, but Brady you know. knew that year he had to do everything in his power yeah. to get that team together because he, he knew that and he's smart enough. No, yeah, there have been years he's missed OTAs, like 2018 or 2019 with the Patriots. He kind of knew the guys he was, he knew most of the guys he was with. But when it, when he got to the Buccaneers, he knew that he had to get that chemistry down because it took it took them time to come together. But once it, it clicked, they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, it's a great point. It, it, yeah, that's kind of the thing. It's yeah, you kind of cook now. You kind of get going instead of trying to learn preseason because you don't get a ton of prep preseason. Especially, you know, especially now with the one less game, you don't get a ton of game action there. It, it's kind of practice and you know practice repetition and yeah, you lose a little of that. Brady did a you know. Yeah, it took them some time, that Bucks team. But, yeah, once they really figured it out, that team was rolling and they were tough to stop the second half of the year. So, yeah, you want to build that now so you don't really have that problem to be in the year. But, you know, especially like Cardinal Snake where you're going to miss Hawkins for the first six weeks and you kind of want to get off to a good start and kind of put – you know, kind of start feeling good about yourself. But, yeah, it's kind of it, – it does start now. It starts now to kind of build those, those um, relationships with your wide receivers and your other teammates. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You, I think the chem, building chemistry is a very, very important thing. So before we wrap up with the NFL, we got to talk about the Steelers and them uh, hiring uh, Omar Khan as their GM. I, it's more they're not really – they're more that they're, they're promoting him. He's been in the organization since 2001, and you knew the Steelers were going to do this. You knew they weren't just going to go out and hire a random GM. You knew they were going to hire somebody within the organization. When Kevin Colbert said he was going to retire, they were going to promote from within. Omar Khan comes in. Now to, to the Steelers, very similar with the Ravens did with Eric DaCosta when they when they when they promoted him when Ozzie Newsom retired. Very very similar. Uh, I, th- I think uh, I, you don't know how good how he's gonna be, how good he's gonna be, but knowing the ownership of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's gonna have plenty of time to get this thing to get this thing right and and to pretty much I mean and, and he's got Kenny Pickett, but you know to pretty much to get this team back to being a championship contender. So obviously you like the hire and I trust what the, I definitely trust what the Pittsburgh Steelers. I always trust what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. Cause they, they rare, very rarely have losing seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Oh you know, yeah. You always got to trust the Steelers and kind of what they want to do and the guys that they want to hire, they always do a very good job. It seems like, so yeah, you know, and he's been in that room too. So you kind of got to imagine kind of, 
they understand kind of what the team he wants to build or, you know, you, you probably knew that, you know, he's probably one of the guys that wanted Pickett and, and kind of do all that. So, yeah, you know, I think it's a good hire by the Steelers. You know, they, they've done a really good job and he's been at organization for over 20 years. So he kind of knows the, you know, the ins and outs of that organization. It's a good organization to work with one of the better ones in the national football league. So, yeah, I think it's a good hire for the Steelers, keeping it in house, you know, Again, an organization like that, they can do it and have success. So, yeah, it's a good tie by the Steelers. And, yeah, it wasn't really a surprising one, one at all for them. Um, not not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not, not at all. So, yeah, it's, I think the Steelers will be in good hands with Omar Khan after uh, Kevin Colbert retired. So that's going to wrap it up for NFL. But we got a lot of baseball to talk about, though, this week because we've had we have some controversies. We, we have the controversy with Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson. The, the, the Red Sox, Red Sox are getting hot. The Yankees have been struggling a little bit, and we got a big series for the Yankees coming up. But first, first, uh, we're going to talk about the controversy. We're going to talk about the controversy with Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. Obviously, uh, Tim Anderson, obviously, uh, Josh Donaldson has called Tim Anderson Jackie during the game on Saturday. Then the White Sox uh, retaliated, and that, and that almost started a brawl between the two. And uh, and then Donaldson was suspended one game, and I think he should have been. Let's be, I think he should have been. He doesn't know Tim Anderson that way. He should not have been calling him Jack. I know he said he in 2019 he was the Jackie, you know, the Jackie Robinson of baseball. He should he should not have called. Uh, he should not have. I mean, he, he should not have called uh, Tim Anderson Jackie. I know he was trying to joke around, but he should have been suspended. He should have known better. This is 2022. He should have known better. I think Donaldson. I know he's appealing it, but I think he definitely deserves this one game suspension. Justin, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, for Donaldson, yeah, you know, you if you know, it'd be one thing if he was like best friend to Tim Anderson, then you know, BB Anderson was okay with him saying Jackie to him, but yeah, you know, Donaldson, you don't really know the guy in this climate in, in 2022. It's probably better not to be joking about something like that. Now, should Tim Anderson really been comparing himself to Jackie Robinson? Probably not. So I think they're both in the wrong here. But yeah, I, I again, I don't think Donaldson should have been saying that now. Then I also think Randall probably took it a step further. I know he defended his teammate, but yeah, you know, Donaldson, there's every game. I in, in this climate at 22 and two, yes, he probably should have been, you know, or he should be. But yeah, you know, I again I just Donaldson, you know, Donaldson's been a very controversial player over the years. So I, I think that's part of why he also got suspended. It's not, you know, and again, you know, I don't know if you heard judges kind of comments on him too, but like even judge kind of didn't throw him under the bus, Donaldson, but he didn't really defend him either. So I think in that clubhouse too, you know, the, the, you know, he, even Boone kind of the same thing. So, yeah, you know, he probably should have – he deserves it. But, it, again, I, I think they're both a little bit in the wrong here. But, yeah, you know, 2022, I, Donaldson's kind of got to be careful about stuff like that. And when you know – you know when guys in your own clubhouse aren't defending you that you were in the wrong. You know you were in the wrong when guys in your own clubhouse aren't defending you. So – yeah, I, I I think this is this was the right move by Major League Baseball. They needed to take action because they just can't you can't continue to have this stuff happening. I think baseball did the right thing taking action, and I think they did the right thing suspending. Yeah, I think they did too. I you know, yeah, it's you know, it, it, again, it's you know, kind of with everything going on, it's it's probably better to be safe here. And again, you don't know how guys are kind of going to respond to stuff like that. So yeah, I think it, it was a good job by Major League Baseball there to kind of you know, one game. You know that it, it, that you know that that's fine. I think that that's fine. Yeah, when guys in your own clubhouse kind of struggle to, to defend you, it, it is it is a problem. And you know, and I think for the Yankees, kind of throw it, you know, kind of sweep it under the 
Rook here, hopefully they can get over. And, and yeah, I think it was smart play to do baseball just to give them the one game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I completely agree that, that it was smart to baseball to give them that one game. So now we'll talk about the Yankees on the field. And they been, it, was a, it was a tough week for the Yankees. I mean, they lost two out of three of the White Sox. They've already split. They've already lost a game to the Orioles. So they have been struggling a little bit. I think there's a couple issues on this team. I think the biggest issue is I know the offense, it's, it's, it's a good offensive team, but I think outside of Rizzo, Judge, and Stanton, this offense has struggled. LeMayu has not hit that well. Torres has not hit that. They're, they're hitting like 250. Torres is hitting 240. Uh, Connor Falefa, he has no power. and uh, uh, He has no power. Hicks has really, really struggled. Trevino has actually stepped up. Trevino has been the one guy who stepped up. I, I, I like what Trevino's done. Trevino has actually stepped up in, in Higashioka's absence. But there definitely, if there is a concern with this Yankee team, it's really the bats around the top three. If they're around Rizzo, Judge, who have been out, Rizzo, don't get me wrong, Rizzo, Judge, and Stan have been outstanding. But it's really the bats around those three guys. I think that's definitely the biggest question mark for this Yankee team. Yeah, absolutely. It's been the bats, you know, um, lately. Yeah, Torino, yeah, starting to get it going. Um, had a big night last night, which is good. Had the big game when it hit. But yeah, like Hicks is just, Hicks is, Hicks just looks completely lost right now at the plate. Yeah, well, maybe starting to cool off. But, like, I think the thing is, you know, hopefully Stan kind of avoids an IL stint. But, you know, it's a long season, and you kind of figure this offense is going to kind of cool down. And, you know, Judge is kind of seeing it like a beach ball right now. And, and you know, at some point he's going to cool off, and the rest of the team's going to get hot again. Like, you, you were going to go through those ups and downs like like that. It, it's a long season. It kind of what happened. So, yeah, you know, for the Yankees right now, the offense is kind of – been been a problem, you know. Other guys really haven't stepped up. Like Marlon Gonzalez has really struggled kind of with some of these COVID absences. You know, kind of for Lefos, yeah, it's no power. Um, but yeah, it's like that leadoff spot now without LeMayu last night, kind of a problem. And then Yeah, but know, the thing is outside of that grand slam, LeMayu hasn't hit that well either. No, he's down to two fifty. He was up like 280, 290, I believe, like a month ago. It, it, he's kind of going through a cold stretch here. Um, but like even like Rizzo had kind of slow kind of start to the month. He's starting to pick it up now, but like, you know, Glaber hit it to his first home run against Baltimore in like three years. So like, yes, last night. So yeah, it's offensive, it, it, you know, it's a long season. So, you know, they're kind of going to go through their peaks and valleys. And right now it's kind of one of those valleys. It's been a long couple of days, but yeah, like, you know, Monday night, Cole outside the two in it, two, two innings are great, but it's like, they only get four runs for him. And I know Cole kind of had those two bad innings are really real bad and kind of, you know, they're not helping them out. And, yeah, it's just this offense right now. Sunday, they scored 1-1 in 18 innings. It's just, yeah, this offense um, has not been clicking lately. But, again, they'll, they'll get hot at some point eventually. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the you look at the other team, they've gotten red hot this week. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm a little concerned about that because the thing is, is the guys that are hitting are their, are their clearly their best hitters. I'm a little concerned because Torres has said it hasn't been – I don't think Torres has not been good since 2019. LeMayu hasn't been good since 2019. I mean, Kiner Falefa cannot hit for power at all. Uh, the, the catcher spot really outside of the last couple of days has, has, has not been, has not been good. Hicks has really struggled. I'm a little concerned about this offense. I mean, there were some really good starts. Severino pitched really well. Uh, uh, Tyone pitched really well in that doubleheader. They scored one. They were one run in 18 innings of baseball. I know that they're probably top five or top ten in runs scored, but if you get into that into a big series with with a team like the Astros or the Rays, if you get into one of those big series and and you can't score runs, and the thing is, is 
it's not like you know with the Red Sox where Trevor's story wasn't hitting, but you knew he was gonna, he was going to start hitting. The guys that aren't hitting, I think this could, this could last all year long. But thank God the top three got the, the Rizzo, Judge, and Stan are having the years they're having. Yeah, no, I, I do see your point. Yeah, Torres, Torres looks better than he did in April, though. Like I, you know, I, I, he's starting to kind of I think get some confidence again. I don't think he's ever going to return the guy he was in 2019. I don't think we're ever going to get that again. But you know, if we can get some production out of him, great. But yeah, you know, I see your point. Like Gallo, I know he's been out, but yeah, like he's a guy you expect more production from. Again, he he does he's not going to have a high average. He's going to hit right around 200. But like you expect him that 35, 40 home runs. He's I don't think he's on, you know, he's not even close to that pace right now. Yeah, you know, again, I think a guy like LeMayu, because it's been a rough week for him. Um, You go through, like, the last couple of days, it's, it's been rough. So, again, I you know, maybe that wrist has kind of been bothering the last week. Now they kind of sit him down now. Maybe, you know, maybe that's been part of his issue. But, yeah, you know, some of those guys, you know, outside of, yeah, Judge, San, and Rizzo have not been great. You know, it is. And hopefully, you know, like, again, like, spoil – was called up. He was raking down a triple A, but yeah, he really has not done anything now since get called getting called up on Sunday, which again, I don't think we've really expected him to come up and really make a big impact, but yeah, you know, kind of for left, I think is a good average hitter. Again, I like to, he's got some speed and he can steal bases. So it's like, you know, hopefully he can play some small ball and get on and, and kind of get something going for that top of the lineup. I think kind of maybe something they have to do, but yeah, you know, I think do think it's worrisome again, hopefully June, July, they make maybe a, another bat, like a lefty, like, you know. I, I've seen, like, a Andrew Benatendi's name float around. Again, a lefty bat would be fine with me. Get play center field for Hicks. Like, you know, something like that. I think, I think it would be good for the Yankees. So, yeah, you know, I there's time. And I, I am a little bit worried. Yeah, I think, you know, for this off deal, it is a little bit of concern right now. Um, you know, kind of like last year where you kind of expected at times the top of the order to have to do everything, and it's just not going to happen. And that's really what the Red Sox were for the last until last week. It was JD, Bogarts, and Devers were kind of the big three, and it was like everyone else around them couldn't do anything. It, yeah, it, kind of what the feeling right now around the Yankees is, is, is yeah, the big kind of three. Hopefully, Saint doesn't have to go in the aisle, but yeah, like Judge Rizzo, you know, Saint can't do it all for this team. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now, another concern is the bullpen. Now, Chad Green, he's he, he's out for the se- he's out for the season, right? Yeah, he's done. Tommy Chad John. Green's out for the season. Tommy John surgery, uh, and and you look at this bullpen. And here's another thing, too. I know the bullpen's a concern. Can, can people stop bashing Roldis Chapman? I'm so tired of people. I know we had that one bad outing on Sunday. Can we stop bashing Roldis Chapman? I'm getting so tired of that. Whenever he has one bad outing, he's still one of the top closers in baseball. And as Joe would say. You have Mariano Rivera disease. The Yankee fans saw a guy do it better than anybody else for years. And now if Chapman has one bad outing, oh, the guy's terrible. The guy's terrible. He's still one of the top closers in the game. Yes, he came in. He came in when it was 1-1 and gave up two runs. It happens to every closer. I don't want to hear that. But the bridge to get to him is still a little bit of a concern, especially with Chad Green out, even though Clay Holmes has – I mean, they've had guys who've really, really stepped up. Clay Holmes – has had, has had an outstanding year. So they've had guys around in this bullpen that have stepped up, but having Green out is definitely a concern. Definitely. You know, Green, Green's been pretty good this year. Um, you know, he's a free agent, too, at the end of the year. So, again, he may, we may have seen his last pitch thrown as a New York Yankee. You know, I don't know if the plans are to resign him or not yet. But, yeah, you know, Chapman's, Chapman's 
Yeah, Chapman goes through those peaks and valleys as well. Like he looks dominant for two weeks, and then he'll go through like two weeks where he's just, you know, location's kind of an issue for him. You know, but yeah, Chapman's still been one of the better guys in the game as a closer. You know, for the last you know decade or so, it feels like he's been in the game. And yeah, Clay Holmes has been great. I think he's gone down twenty two consecutive appearances without giving up a run. He's been unbelievable. Again, you know, he's been phenomenal. But yeah, you know, they need guys now. Like um, you know, Wandy Peralta's got to be better again. Jonathan Lewizica, I think, is a, is a very is a big concern right now. Yeah, again, he, definitely, definitely. His curveball is great, but but then you have guys like Michael King who've really stepped up. Yeah, Michael King's been great. You know, Lewizica this year that curveball was nasty last year, and this year he can't. It just it's just sitting up in the zone for whatever reason. Um, you know, again, Licky hasn't been as good as last year. You know, Britain's. I think you know you could get Britain back. September, I believe, because he had Tommy John. I think it's like, you know, probably going to be out to late August, early September. I think the timeline is at the moment. So, you know, and Herman has, Herman originally would be back in early June. I don't know if that's still the case now, but like that's another guy you could maybe have, you know, maybe geared towards the bullpen with the way the starters have been. But yeah, it's a bullpen right now. It's a little bit concerning of how you're going to get to the ninth inning. And, and right now, Holmes, why Chapman's on the why the IL, but you know, like, yeah, because even like Miguel Castro kind of started out to you really well and in his last couple outings, he hasn't been as sharp, so yeah, it is starting to kind of be a concern right now for the Yankees in, in this bullpen. Of but again, the stars have been so good. Monday night was the first time all year the Yankees starting pitcher gave up five runs or more, and and the starter and Garrett Cole went eight innings, he gave yeah. up five runs, but he went eight innings, so that's not a terrible, it's not, not a good for him, it's not a, a great, a good outing, but it's still a decent outing. So yeah, the starting pitching has—that's the biggest reason why they are the best—they have the best record in baseball. So, but but yeah, the bullpen is a little bit concerning without Green, and obviously the offense outside of the big three are uh, are a little bit of a concern. But still, the team is thirty and thirteen. They got the best record in baseball, and and I, I don't think Yankee fans should complain too much. I know they lost three in a row, but they've been playing really really well this year. So I don't think Yankee fans should complain. And they got a big and we got to talk about the series they got this week. Big series in Tampa against the Rays. They're up four and a half games. Rays are in second. Rays are not as good this year. Uh, the, the offense, that they definitely missed Cruz and Meadows in that lineup. Their lineup is definitely not as good as good this year. Wander Franco has not taken the step. I mean, he's still – he's going to be a stud, but he isn't as good as, you know, the Rays thought he was going to be. I mean, they, they, they were having trouble making up for the losses of Meadows and uh, and Cruz in that lineup. And uh, if you look at the pitching matchups this week, got Nestor Cortez. The Rays will probably throw an opener. You got Severino on Thursday. You got Severino against Springs on uh, on Friday. Tyone against Corey Kluber, former former Yankee, on uh, on Saturday, and then Sunday you got a good matchup with uh, Cole and McClanahan. Really good matchup on Sunday. They do miss out. They don't have to face Rasmussen, which is definitely a break too, even though they're on the road. And uh, but I do think they're going to split. I have a feeling they're going to split. I think they win. Uh, I think they win Thursday. And I think they win. I think they win Thursday and Friday, and the Rays win Saturday and Sunday. I do think they split because I just can't. It's very hard to sweep the Rays on the road. The Rays play. The Rays do play well at, at the Trop, so it's hard to sweep the Rays at the Trop. But I, yeah, so that's why I got the uh, I got a split. Uh, I got the Yankees sp- splitting with the Rays this week. Justin, what are your thoughts on the Rays series? Yeah, for the Yankees Rays, you know, two teams that do not like each other. The Rays have had their number. You know, the last few years here. Yeah, you made a great point about the lineup without Meadows and Cruz. They, the Rays offense has kind of showed this year. 
they really in the middle of packing a lot of offensive categories this year. And, you know, even a guy like Lowell, Brandon Lau, or Lowe, I always which one he is. But, you know, like he's had kind of – again, he had 40 home runs last year. He's only had five this year. He hasn't been as good. Um, you know, and he's average been bound. So, like, yeah, you know, frame thing with Wander Franco – He's kind of gotten off to a slow start as well, but yeah, he'll he'll be a superstar. I don't think there's any concern there. But yeah, I think the Yankees probably split here. I think with you, I think with the way Nets Cortez been pitching, they went Thursday, and I'll go with they find a way to win Saturday. I think so. You know, Severino's been good. I think they find a way to get to Kluber. Um, you know, he's he's been very up and down for the race, so I think they probably win this thing Thursday, Saturday. Saturday, I guess, is a sellout in Tropic. You wow, can I, heard, I heard, I heard about that. Fans. Oh yeah, I heard, I heard about that. I heard it's to sell it at the trap on Saturday. Yeah, you know, you, you know, it'll be ninety percent Yankee fans down there, so it'll probably feel like a Yankees home game down there. But um, yeah, I think they find a way to win. The get, get the split of the series. You, you mentioned the Rays are tough to beat. Um, uh, they always play well against the Yankees. You know, they're gonna play well. You know, they'll they'll try to you know stay with them. But um, yeah, I think the Yankees probably get the the split this weekend with them. And again, I'll, I'll take that right now down to Trop with kind of everything they've been dealing with. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're a Yankee fan, you take a split of winning three out of four is nice. Get that nice six and a half game league. You're in really good shape uh, going into Memorial uh, on Memorial day. If you're up six, who do you definitely sign even being up four and a half, you definitely would sign up for that as a Yankee fan. But if you're up six and a half, you're definitely signing up for that. Then if you, I don't think they're going to sweep, but if you get the sweep eight and a half, that's a great spot. But if they lose two out of three, th- that that definitely is tough because because that would mean the lead would be down to I think two and a half. If they, lo- if they lost two out of three, the lead would be down to two and a half games. And if they got swept, that would be terrible because the lead would only be a half game. So I think it's important for the Yankees to at least get a split this weekend in Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't any get you know yeah by that you don't gain any ground on them. You don't lose. You know they they won't bring you know. You know, so yeah, you, you know, you kind of, kind of stay right there, being up four and a half. You don't lose any ground. You don't gain any ground. That's that's okay, you know. But yeah, going up to Memorial Day, you know, at least up four and a half games. I again, I yeah, I think any Yankee fan would have took that. You know, I, I did not think that they would have. You know, I know that a lot of us Yankee fans probably weren't sure about kind of this going in this year. So yeah, take four and a half league game going into Memorial Day. A lot of Yankee fans will be taking that on that off day, kind of. Like, you know, with the big game kind of homestand there, it's the Angels and Tigers. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Angels is big. We'll definitely yeah, be talking the about Angels. that next week. The Angels series, big Tiger series, not that big, but the Angels series is definitely big. Okay. Then we'll definitely be talking about that next week. But we got to shift our attention to the Red Sox, and they have been red hot. And the biggest reason why is their new acquisition, Trevor Story. In the last five games, six home runs, 17 RBIs. He had a three home run game last Thursday. He finally he's, he started so poor he started so poorly, but now he leads the team in RBI. So the Red Sox are hot; they're hitting like we expected them to. Uh, their pitching has held up. I mean, Waka's still been really good. Whitlock has been pretty good when he's been starting. Uh, uh, outside of that one back start, Evaldi's been okay, and Rich Hill's been decent. And so, so you've seen the you've seen that the Red Sox have hit. They're starting to hit. So, and we knew that was going to happen. You knew the Red Sox were going to hit this year. But still the question mark for me is, can this rotation hold up and can they get a consistent closer? Even the game on uh, that they won on Sunday when front, when Cordero hit the grand slam, they, they blew the lead in the ninth inning. That just can't happen. This team needs to have, get a consistent closer. 
this closer by committee is not going to work. They're not going to win a World Series with – they're not going to compete for a championship with closer by committee. The four Red Sox teams that won World Series in our lifetime. 2004, they had Keith Polk. 2007, they had Jonathan Papelbon. 2013, Koji Uehara was perfect. And then in 18, they had Craig Kimbrell. The closer by committee thing is not going to work. But the positive for the Red Sox is, is their bats have started to get going, and that has led to their six-game winning streak. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Turf story is still not going to occur in call for the week he had because, you know, um, so. Well, Red, Sox fans, Red Sox fans don't want to admit they're wrong. Yeah, I guess not yet. Not yet. They don't admit they're <laughs> wrong for booing them? No, not yet. They, they have not yet. But uh, he's been on fire. It, they scored 95 runs the first 27 games. They've scored 95 runs in the last 13 now. So that, That's crazy. They've been, uh, yeah. They've been on fire. And, you know, this, this yeah, this offense is uh, – Everyone's kind of picked up the slack here. And TK last night leads it off at the first pitch home run, and they kind of just take off from that. They scored 16 runs in five innings, pretty much. Like that, you know, that's an absurd amount of, of runs early on there. Uh, you know, I mean, Devers been really good. It's just again, it, like that lineup is scary. And again, it, it's like the same. It's the same thing I kind of talking about the Yankees. It's, it's they're all going to go through their peaks and valleys, and right now they're they're on a big peak right now. And it doesn't really seem like they're going to come down anytime soon. But, like, you know, a guy like Frenchy Cordero, they brought up a couple weeks ago from AAA, he's been the first new starting first baseman. Again, he's still learning the position. He'll make his errors in, in the in the field. But he's been great, you know. Uh, so it's coming up. Yeah, like, Story's just been dangerous again, you know. Kike's really got to go to the top of the lineup. You know, Jackie, I know, hit a big home run over the weekend. But, yeah, like, this Red Sox lineup right now, it's just – Again, you know, you don't really need a closer. You can score 16 runs. But, yeah, it, you mentioned it, it, it is that that closer spot is, again, it, it's going to be the death of them. Um, I'm surprised that, like, Matt Strom hasn't really – I, I got to imagine, like, Matt Strom's kind of going to be that guy. He's been really good for him. I don't know why he really hasn't been that guy in the ninth inning when they're up that they're going to kind of use him because um, he's been their best one. You know, I, I – you, you know, I, I know Barnes has been a little bit better, but you really can't trust him still at this point. Um, John um, Schreiber, he's been – he's another one that's been really good. The side armor that they weren't even sure if he was going to make it out of spring training and make the team. He's been great in his in his outing, too. So, they kind of found some. They haven't announced the closer yet, but I got to assume it's going to be Matt Strom because he has been pretty good. And he they've kind of used him in those big leverage spots. So, I gotta imagine he's gonna be the one that eventually that's probably gonna get that closer job. I would think until maybe they do at the trade deadline go out and go get somebody if they feel like you know they're still in the race and they still think they have a shot. Yeah, yeah, they definitely have to pick up a closer at the trade deadline or, or, or a reliever. That is a must. They, that is a must if they don't pick. High and Bloom is that would be a tear. Because last year this is what this is what happened. They had the best record in baseball. They didn't improve this bullpen. This team had there's two there's two things they have to do with the trade deadline. They got to add another arm, and they got to add an they got to add a closer. They don't need to add any more offense. Their offense is fine. They got to add an arm, and they got to add a closer because that's what co- that's what that's what cost them getting to the World Series last year was they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. They didn't improve where they needed to improve. They went out and got Kyle Schwarber. I mean, yes, he was decent, but that didn't improve their team. So they have to go out and get an get get a starter and a closer at the trade deadline if this team wants to compete for a championship. Yeah, so they do. You know, yeah, they need another starter. Um, you know, they still have Paxton. 
you know, Paxton's on the aisle. I don't know when he's going back. Sale, like the same thing. Whitlock's probably going to stay in the rotation. So it's probably going to be Hauk is probably going to be a bullpen guy. You're kind of more of a um, piggyback off of like a hill or a walk, depending on their length. So, uh, you know, we'll see there. But, yeah, you know, I think you, they definitely do need a closer to kind of hammer this thing down in the ninth inning because it's, yeah, you know, um, Again, you you know when it's you know they'll they'll find one. It's that's usually because it's one of the easier things to get at trade line is is a reliever class kind of closer, you know. And yeah, adding another starter, another veteran starter that could give you some length because yeah, you know Hill's forty three. I don't think you can trust him to make thirty starts. Locke has been a guy in his career that's kind of been on the IL at times. Can you trust Chris Sale to you know? I know hopefully sometime in June, but can you trust him to stay healthy? All the way up to October, you know, it, it's it's risky. So yeah, I think they got to find another arm. You know, there's probably some guys that will be available at the trade deadline that they'll be able to get. Kind of, you know, if they don't have to go up and get go get another superstar or anything, you know, they just need another guy more towards the end of rotation that's going to give you five six innings every night. You know, or, or seven if you could, and just yeah, just give them another arm because they don't they don't really have it. And uh, there is one guy Triple A too that could. I don't know, soon, Josh Winkowski, who's been really good at the AAA level, he's maybe a guy that they call maybe North June, July, that they kind of hope to give him some innings too as well. Um, I don't know about any other kind of guys that they have down there, but, you know, maybe that's their, maybe that's their kind of option there for trade deadline, you know, someone that they, you know, kind of bring up at the, at the you know, in the dog days of summer kind of, help that out rotation. I don't know if that would be their option, another kind of option for them. But um yeah, the Red Tags do need to make some make some moves for that uh pitching staff. Absolutely. 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 So it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox do going forward. The Yankees, they got some two big series with the Rays and the Angels. So we'll definitely learn a lot about them in the next week. But we got to move on and we got to talk about something you really want to talk about is this is rivalry between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban started everything on on Wednesday night when last Wednesday when he said Texas A&M because they were they ended up being the number one recruiting class they bought all their players and then obviously you know Jimbo Fisher talked about his his past and and they obviously went back and forth then yesterday it took a little bit of a twist too when uh, Eli Holstein decommitted to Texas A&M and went to Alabama so let me tell you October eighth is going to be fun because these two coaches are going at it is it true they were friends? Before this. I think that yeah, they were. Jibbo was one of his former assistants, so I have to him. Yeah, so they were friends. He he was assistant. Um, Jimbo was a, a assistant coach under Matt when he same was at LSU. Yeah, so so crazy situation here. And Justin, you've probably been following it all. I, my thoughts on it is is I feel like there's a little bit of sour grapes by Nick Saban because Texas A&M had such a huge class, and you and you can't and and with the NIL you can pay players so. I don't see what the issue is there. Why is I think Nick Saban's just complaining right now. I think he's kind of I think he's kind of being a baby. I know where you're going with this because you you can't stand Saban. No, I like Saban. Yeah, I, I, I I respect Saban. I like oh yeah, him. it's Coach K. Or you're not a fan. Yeah, Coach K. I, I can't stand Coach K. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So what no, are your thoughts it, on this whole thing? So my thoughts are so now because I kind of found the context out like the next day. He went Nick Saban and Nate Oates were both because Nate Oates was kind of speaking to kind of, you know, um, they were speaking at a dinner with a whole bunch of boosters. That's who he was kind of taught. It, this was not really supposed to get out all in the public. He was talking to the boosters about 
this is like he was pretty much actually kind of complimenting Texas A&M for what they did. Yeah, that's I, and I, and I think that's why he gave that call to uh, Jimbo Fisher. He's yeah, like, I'm I'm complimenting you guys. I'm not bashing you guys. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. He was compliment. Yeah, because he, he, he understands that's the way the game's going. Is you're gonna have to pay the guy. Now I think where Saban doesn't like now because I think I've you know Saban also said this of. I don't really want to pay, have to like pay, you know, I don't want to have players getting like, you know, millions of dollars before they step on campus. I'd rather pay them down the line. They show me something and then, you know, they, they can go get their NL. But like recruiting wise, I think you're, you're kind of getting to a point in time now where you're going to have to pay your players before they step on campus. And I think he kind of understands that now. And yeah, I think he's confident in Texas A&M. Hey, look at what Texas A&M did with all their NIL money. You know, we could, you know, I think they had one or two five-star kids like the last five, six years before that. Now, that's his Alabama. You know, imagine what he could build for a recruiting class with all that money. Because Alabama's got some big donors that all love football, obviously. They will pay money for that team. They'll, they'll give Saban whatever he wants. So, I, I think Saban wants the boosters probably to get more involved here of NIL and recruiting-wise. But, yeah, at first it was kind of like, you know, Saban's uh, – because at first I didn't know where Saban was speaking on this, and it was just weird that he actually kind of was calling – because that's not really a Saban thing to do. That's why it was so weird, and when I kind of figured out more and more, it kind of built the puzzle more. It makes a lot more sense. So Saban was kind of complimenting Jimbo Fisher and what he did at Texas A&M because, yeah uh, – Again, you know that's the way it's driven. You know the game's been driven. Again, I, I think there are some issues that NCA really needs to kind of plug up with the NIL stuff. But that's what kind of Saban was doing. And CBS did announce this morning that October eighth will be their primetime doubleheader. So, oh, it's got and and and, and, I'm, yeah. I'm, and obviously that's going to be the eight o'clock game. And that will yep. be the that'll be the most watched college football game of the year. Oh, absolutely. Easily, that'll be the most watched college football game of the year. Just just to see the handshake. But especially the end of the game, even if Alabama was winning by a couple scores, at the end of the game, to see the co- see if the coaches shake hands. Yeah, so yeah, that will be the uh, big storyline towards the end here. Because uh, yeah, you know, again, I you know, hard feelings. I would imagine. I I don't know if he's uh, if Fisher's gonna kind of let up here now and then. I I'm not sure, but yeah, you know, uh, that that's gonna be a fun one and the revenge game too for Saban. Saban does not have too many revenge games either, so he, no. he's got that on the plate as well. So yeah, and it, Alabama's already a sixteen and a half point favorite in that game. Yeah, because A so, and M upset them last year. Yeah, and and, and that was their one, that was their one loss before they lost to Georgia in the national championship game. Yeah, it was. So yeah, you know it, that that's gonna be a fun one. I completely agree. I think to be the most watched game of the year. Hopefully, it should be a, it should be a fun one. You know, at Texas A and M, it's probably gonna be one of the, Top five, top ten countries, and again, their one big question mark is at the quarterback position. So, and that, and that would be the problem when they play because Alabama has the best quarterback in the country. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, they're, they're, it's going to be a lot tougher for AM to keep up this time with the uh, the Crimson Tide this year. Oh, yeah. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Even though they scored 41 last year, yeah. it's going to be tough for them to keep up in Tuscaloosa against Bryce Young. That's going to be a really hard game for, the, for, for AM to keep up with Bama. Oh, yeah, it, it absolutely will. You know, especially what happened last year, that secondary. Saban is not letting that happen again. Um, they, they should be more experienced, too. A little bit more experienced this year, Alabama, as well. And 
Not too many games on Saturday night, Brian Denny Stadium like that. So you, you got to make it, it's going to be a hostile environment that uh, whoever starts, he's because Zach Calzada actually transferred out, I believe. I don't know. If he, where 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 did he go? I don't think I don't remember if he actually officially announced a destination yet. Um, or no, actually, I think he's going to LSU. Oh wow! I believe it's LSU actually. Oh wow! Um, if I remember um correctly, I believe he's going to LSU. So yeah, um. They, it should be an interesting whoever starts at quarterback for the Aggies that night. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They definitely should be, and it should, yeah, it's it's crazy between the, it was a crazy week between the two coaches, and I'm really looking forward to October eighth. Yeah, yeah, me too. That that that'll be a fun one. That's going to uh, you know, game dates, college game dates, probably going to be there that day. So you know, it, it's gonna that that should be a fun one. And that could probably maybe as well too determine the um, SC West this year as well. Uh, yeah, oh, I think so. I think I think that game definitely d- determines it. Even though some quarterbacks are coming back from in the conference, uh, I think uh, uh, K- K- I think Jefferson's coming back for Arkansas. Ole Miss will be terrible because they won't have they, they Ole Miss. They'll be I mean, they'll be terrible, but they'll be bad in the SEC West because they don't because Corral's not coming back. I mean LSU. I think they'll obviously be better with Brian Kelly. Uh, uh, Auburn will have Bo Nix, but I do think the two top no, teams Bo, are going to be Bo, Bo Nix. Oh, Bo, oh yeah, Oregon. Bo going to Oregon. Yeah, I forgot. My, my bad yeah. there. Well, oh yes. So so yeah. it looks like this this, this will be, these will be the two teams. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and, and Calzada actually, I this boy he actually went to Auburn, not LSU. Wrong. Okay. I knew he went to one of the two Tigers. So so he'll, so so he'll be the quarterback at, at Auburn next year. Yeah, so he should be the quarterback there. But yeah, you know, I think Arkansas will probably takes that back. Um, Ole Miss is probably going to be pretty good. Um, they brought in the Dylan Gabriel from Ole Miss coming in. So from uh, UCF? Or no, he decommitted with the Oklahoma. Actually. Oh wow, 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 wow. So actually, I don't know who Ole Miss is going to have now. I, I again with his offense, I think they'll probably figure it out. But um, yeah, I think it's those two right now the favorite. I don't really trust Auburn. There's some question marks with the coaching and Brian Kelly. I I, I like him, but but yeah, I, we'll we'll see what we can do in the SEC West now. So yeah, I absolutely. I think it's these two teams and um. Uh, are the front runner right on the West. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap up the show talking some hockey and the Rangers. I, I knew, I knew the hurricanes were not going to blow them out because the hurricanes cannot win a road game. And really all the only player an average fan can name is, is a is Sebastian Aho. So that's, that's why I knew that the, 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 the hurricanes were not going to blow the Rangers out. The Bruins, they didn't blow the Bruins out. And I felt like the Rangers were better than the Bruins. They can't win a road game. The funny thing about the Hurricanes is they can win all the home games, but they can't win. They cannot win a road game in this series. And I think the Rangers got a, got a legitimate chance. I think the Rangers have a legitimate chance to win this series. Now it's two two. I think it's anyone's series. The way uh, Shesterkin's playing, and Shesterkin has been awesome. Shesterkin, it's uh, the Rangers. They sure have good goalies. From Mike Richter to Kendrick Lundqvist, now just to Igor Shesterkin. They always you can always count on the fact they have good goalies. I mean, Sabanajad had a goal last night, so. I think the rain. I I, th- I think if the Rangers win Thursday, I think they got a good chance to get to the conference finals. This would be a rematch of 2015. That was the last time the Rangers were in the conference finals. It really was kind of downhill for the Rangers ever since they lost that series. But they can get back to playing probably the best organization in the NHL in the Tampa Bay Lightning in the conference finals. But I think it's possible that the Rangers and Lightning can meet in the conference finals. Seeing what's happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know the Hurricanes. Yeah, they've just been horrible on the road. Um, for whatever reason it is right now. Um, again, you know, just kind of slow. And I don't know again because really the again home ice. I think the matters a bit, but it's like matchups. And you kind of go to back game one and two was Carolina, especially like that third period game one, all game two. K- 
Carolina just suffocated New York every time that they got in that zone, and New York could not generate any chances. And game three and four, New York had a ton of chances. So, you know, I, I wonder if Carolina part of it too is matchup wise that because now in the home games they kind of you know the home team kind of gets the last kind of opportunity um, to change their line, and so you know you kind of fix and get all the matchups you want. Um, I think maybe that's something Carolina been able to do in these two series. But yeah, you know, Auntie Rutna. I think he's been good. It sounds like Frederick Anderson's getting healthier, but I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like he may play the series, though. Um, but, yeah, like the Rangers, again, all four, you know, I think all kind of four lines contributed. I love the four check yesterday. Um, you know, I love I love Ryan Reeves. I You know, he brings that physical presence that they've been missing the last few years, what kind of Domi did at the end of game three there. Because Lingard's been a guy that's been banged up, and he took a swing at him there at the end. And uh, Reeves did not let him forget about that, so. Um, I love the chippiness of the series and yeah, the Rangers right now, I think, you know, I, the only worry I have is I think they lost their chance though, to go on the road and win in game one. Like they, I, they yeah, I'm to telling you, there's, there's a very good chance the Rangers could be up three, one in the series. Cause yeah. game one was theirs. They had a one, nothing lead and they gave up that goal with four minutes to go. I think AO scored that goal with four mm-hmm. minutes to go and they lost in overtime. That was their game. That was their game in that series. And then that's going to lead us to our prediction. And, that's why, even though I was a Ranger fan, I still think they lose in seven because I think game one was the. I think it's going to all come down to game one, and if the, I, that's why I think the Rangers. I think they. I think. I, I think it's pretty obvious how it's going to. How it's going to finish. I think the Hurricanes win Thursday. Rangers win Saturday. Hurricanes win on uh, on on, uh, on on Monday. But the Rangers have a. I think right now the Rangers still have a very good chance to win the series. I mean, I give the Hurricanes a little bit of the edge because of how well they played at home. But I would not count the Rangers out in the series. Yeah, yes, the next series is going to be tough for either team. You're facing the you're facing the top organization in hockey. You're facing the Lightning. But I I, I think uh, I, I think this is a very winnable series. And I thought I thought from the beginning this was going to be this was a winnable series for the Rangers. You weren't as confident in the Rangers as I was, and you watch a lot more hockey than me, so I kind of I, I kind of was a little worried. But I was confident with the Rangers going into the series just with the fact that the Hurricanes were not that impressive against the Bruins and, and they were so bad on the road. And, that, and, that, and, that, and, and them being so bad on the road has shown up in the series. Yeah, you were right. You know, you're completely right about the Hurricanes on the road. I thought it was more the Bruins being a better team, kind of fear it out at home. But it, it's a lot more the Hurricanes than I thought it was going in. So, yeah, you know, the Hurricanes just have not figured it out on the road so far. And they've been great at home for whatever reason. Um yeah, because I'm with you. Again, a hot goalie can take you a, a long way. But, again, that game one, Carolina, I think, you know, it, it, like the Rangers had, like, two shots, it felt like, the, you know, that final period and even overtime. And it felt like Carolina had, you know, about 20 opportunities. Again, does not matter how hot your goalie is. He, he you know, he cannot stand on head, head, head forever. And kind of what felt like what happened there in game, um, in game one. And, yeah, it may have kind of blown their chance there. Um but yeah, for for uh, you know for Carolina, for the Rangers, you gotta you know I think Rangers sake, yeah you gotta be able to score quickly, kind of get up, hold you know kind of get up and put the pressure on Carolina here. Um, I, that's gonna be the big thing. Now they may get good drill back. The Rangers may who again I'd love to have him on the ice because he's he's won back to back titles with the Lightning like that. If you can get a guy on here for this best of three guy that kind of knows how to win a couple cups. That'd be great. I don't know if he's going to play game five, but maybe he can get him back for game six, seven. Um, Cause it sounds like he's getting close. So that'd be nice. But yeah, I'm with you. I think I got the, I got the Kings at seven. I, I think Shashurkin does all he can. 
Um, but I just don't think it's enough. I think he stands on his head. Again, like game three, he was great. And like the one goal he gave up was, a, again, like, you know, was an easy, it was an easier one of all of the saves that he made that day. So I, I think the Rangers, yeah, they're, I think they have a really good chance to win the series. Um, but I just think it's going to be a little bit too tough for him. And this Rangers, I, you know, it, it's been a good year. But if they do have some doubt, get, they do somehow get by them versus the Lightning with Vasilevsky having still being the best goal in the game. That's going to be one of the low scoring series I think of all time. I'll predict. And let me tell you, the NHL would be happy if they can get. There looks like they're going to get McKinnon against McDavid in the West, and if they can get Rangers Lightning, that would be great for the NHL. But I just don't think I, I as a, even as a Ranger fan, I just think the Rangers are a little bit too young, and I don't think the Hurricanes lose at home. I think I think the Rangers come close, but I think the Hurricanes win at seven. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see. Yeah, Colorado versus Edmonton. That would be a fun series. And yeah, Rangers Tampa once again would be a great series. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think Carolina is just a little bit too much more than the Rangers. Again, I think it's a great step in the right direction for New York. Um, but yeah, I just think right now, not ready yet. Hopefully next year. And yeah, Carolina, I think it's a little bit better. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the, in the next couple of games between the Rangers and Hurricanes. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week previewing the NBA Finals, uh, talking about the Yankees and Angels, talking about the Yankees-Angels series, and talking about the NHL playoffs. Have a great weekend, everyone.